Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Tonight on Canadian Criminal Minds. How many people did you kill? About 100,000. Countless murders and years on the run. Is it true you cooked and ate your mother's cat? There's a certain truth to that because, well, there isn't a truth to that. He shocked the world and terrorized a nation. How'd you get caught? Unlucky. And we have the exclusive interview with the man known as the Groover from Vancouver. <laughs> Craig Forrest. What's going on? Tonight at 10, following the Real Housewives of Scarborough. <laughs> Say so. First of all, JC, that's brilliant. I love that. Now, I should mention it's myself, Shaman. We got Forrest here. We got we got Wonger. Um, Paco's here as well. Brennan's somewhere on a beach in some mankini doing terrible things, and uh, but Dunlop's probably in the beach as well doing terrible things. Definitely in a mankini. Uh, Dickie O. Well, who knows where he is? But um, so. If we look at all of us on Footy Prime, I think if the one person strikes you as the obvious serial killer, it might be Craig. Mm. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Tall really? and slim. Generally, I think serial killers are tall and slim, aren't they? Hmm. Yeah, and, and he also has that van, uh, the duct tape, and uh, he likes digging holes. Don't forget that big bag of candy. Huge bag of suckers. Good old suckers. Yeah, I got a shovel on a uh, bunch of glad uh, garbage bags in the back of my car. But you, you know, know what? Don't forget the, the lime. It's very important, the lime. The winter preparedness uh, kind of thing I put together for throughout, like, hey, they say Canadian Tire, you go there, the CAA. It basically is a serial killer's toolbox for winter preparedness. It's like a yep. shovel, heater, candles, tape, lunch. Like you that can should, have a full camp out. That should be their ad uh, campaign. Hey, serial killers, get it all here. One-stop shop. One-stop shop, yeah. Lunch? <laughs> need lunch? Do you think serial killers need lunch? I think so. I think they're slim, but I, I think they need lunch still. It's probably hungry work, right? I would imagine. Yeah. Jeffrey that- Dahmer, you would eat whenever you could. <laughs> <laughs> That's a valid point too, yeah. <laughs> Let's go over our favorite serial killers. <laughs> Starting with Jeffrey Dahmer. Dennis Nielsen. Wonga, go. <laughs> uh, my daughter's into that uh, BTK guy. Mm. Her, right? And I couldn't I, – she's watching – my 13-year-old is watching all of the documentary killer shows. And I'm like, are you are you sure you should be watching? Because I love this stuff. What is that that show? It came out last year. I think a couple of seasons about the CIA or FBI agents, and they are tracking serial killers. And BTK is a big part of it. And they interview them at the uh, in jail, and that's kind of the premise of the show. They interview some of the most heinous serial killers uh, to get information about you know someone else. And it's, it's what's it called? It's a superb show. And that's how I was introduced to BTK. Are you on stands, a, a, Are you A A and E? Um, no, this is on Netflix. I think it was. Oh, okay. But BTK stands for something torture kill. Yeah, bind, bind. bind. That's it. Bind, torture, kill. That's right. Yeah. 
self-named, I think he was. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. Ooh. Who's your JC? Who's your favorite serial killer? Uh, Richard Kuklinski. He was, was the the Iceman. He was the enforcer for the Gambino crime family in the uh, 60s. Oh, I saw that 80s. movie. He so yeah, they made the movie with Johnny Depp after him. But I'll tell you, you can watch the interviews of him on YouTube, and it's he is very it's very mesmerizing to watch, but it's terrifying to watch because the man has zero emotion whatsoever. But he just talks about how he killed hundreds and hundreds of people, and they've and they've proven that he's he's killed hundreds of people. It's uh, but the way he talks about it, like there's one the interviewer gets upset or the interviewer pisses him off. He's like, oh, you upset me there. I I almost got upset. You're lucky I didn't get upset. And the guy's like six foot eight and just this massive, massive man. Cool dude. Yeah, sounds like pretty cool. Now, now he was a serial killer as far as, but he was a, like a mob. A no, no, no. Mob. I think you're getting confused. Iceman was played by Michael Sheehan. And the guy who played the Superman's, uh, the newest Superman's, the Colonel General Zod or whatever, who came down to fight. That I saw. It's called the Iceman, and it was about him killing all. He was the mob's hitman, and he literally was a sociopath. And to yes. JC's point, he could sit there, stare at you until, and he could wait forever to kill you. But he was going to kill you. It was like a check mark for him. But I just don't think that a mob hitman should, should you know, brag about being a serial killer. It's different. You like you're a professional. It's a job. You know, a serial killer, <laughs> but he he did say that he killed people for nothing, like didn't have to be part of his job. Like he said, a guy would look at him wrong and he would just kill. Him. He also said that when he was a kid, he used to torture animals and which is a which is a, you know, a clear cut, you know, sign of, hey, you're going to be a serial killer. So, many of them did. Yeah, many of them do. Right? And often they come from a family, too, with a very overpowering, overbearing mother. All right. Mm-hmm. I remember reading that. But the funny thing about him was. Multi-dimensional serial killer and hitman. Yeah, you got both of the things. A man of many hats. Absolutely, killing hats, but yeah. hats nonetheless. Yeah. Who was your first victim, Craig? My first victim. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> My first knowledge of any serial killer was Clifford Robert Olson in Vancouver. Oh, and geez, Cliff Olson. Mm. He killed kids, right? Didn't he? Yeah, he didn't live far from where we were growing up. Yeah, there's been a few in Canada. Robert Picton. Oh, he's another hundreds, one. Hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah, pig farmer. Yeah. 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 I used to get these things called murder case books in England. You get them from the uh, the newsagent, and they're these little little mini magazines, and they pick a topic. You know, it could be the, the Yorkshire Ripper, Peter Sutcliffe, or mm-hmm. Dennis Nielsen, who I mentioned before. Um, the Moore's murderers, Mara Hindley, Ian Brady, and they'd be they go to depth, the details. And me and my mates would just you love this, eh? I absolutely fascinated by it. It's like you know, a ten-year-old kid fascinated by it, and it was horrifying. And I just yeah. regret every night go to bed and just regret reading it. <laughs> but next morning, first thing, oh, let's read this again. Yeah, awful. Well, if we're talking about England, there is something that's been sticking <laughs> in my brain, and I need to clarify. And I think I've asked asked this. But two years ago, but what is tea? When someone says tea, is tea lunch? Is it actual tea? Tea is, is it dinner? dinner? Yeah, well, tea, tea can all- be tea. Tea can be a cup of tea, but tea is generally it's supper. Oh, so when you say come over, okay, so someone says spot a tea, is that for a cup of tea or is that for crackers and cheese? And that I'm always like, what? I guess I'd be confused if someone said, hey, Wonger, come over for tea. See, what, I think traditionally, I traditionally you have a heavier lunch in England, right? And tea is more of a – it's your dinner, but it's more of a snack, maybe sandwiches. Mm-hmm. But but it kind of evolved to now supper is just considered tea. So if you want to come for – come over for tea, that means come over for dinner, for supper. Right. And so with this kind of nebulous and this ever-changing – term meaning like it, it's changed as the meaning of it would you have to eat a big mac before going to someone's house because you didn't know what you were in for a cup of tea or like if it was mm-hmm. around four and they're like come over for a spot <laughs> of tea and you're like does that mean for dinner because it's four? no because see if it was tea the drink they'd say come for a cup of have a cup of uh right either a cup of tea or a cup of but 
hey, come around for tea. It's dinner. Now, there may be some sexual innuendo in there as well, well depending on who you're talking to. Like That's usually coffee. That's coffee, right, over here. But over there, maybe it's tea. Or wouldn't that be come over for the D? Or for, for, for D <laughs> instead of T? Or well, the V? For, for Craig, the cuppa is, v, him, yes. is him and Trevor Sinclair cuppa each other's balls. <laughs> no, right. Right? See, we, we've, we've got this back on track now on football. Thank Thanks, Wonga. Good job. Well, wasn't it Trevor's birthday or something today? today. Yeah, there you go. Trevor yeah. Sinclair's birthday. Wow. Yeah. Well, happy birthday, Trevor Sinclair, friend of the show. Legend. Great, Big day. great man. Great man. Great player. Um, big day in, in English football. Um, the day that officially Roman Abramovich puts Chelsea on the block. Now, this statement that came out had a lot less fluff, Craig, than the one on the weekend. Um, he says, you know, all net proceeds will go to a new charitable foundation he's going to um, create. And, and the victims of the Ukraine war will benefit from that. He says that the $1.5 billion that the club owes him in loans will not be repaid. Is this, I mean, listen, it's tough for us. We're not experts in this situation. I know that's an unfair question, but it does seem a little bit like he's trying to avoid all sanctions here, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that's exactly what he's trying to do. Or he's trying to spend a few million billion to save a few billion. Um. They're on him hard. They're coming at him hard. And he's going to try to turn this club around quickly. He's trying to sell his properties quickly. He knows what's potentially coming. And the government are having a meeting on the British government about this on March. Uh, was it March 2nd today or tomorrow? Yeah, today. Yeah, they mentioned it in, in Parliament today. Mm-hmm. Because so, they're asking, why aren't, you, why aren't you going for this guy? Why aren't you going? He's got so many connections with the Putin administration. Why aren't you going for him? And Boris Johnson said today, I won't. It's inappropriate to mention specific people in this environment because Boris Johnson's a bit of a, well, he's a well, coward, isn't he? And, and just, yeah, he is. And he's a moppy coward. Um, but the other thing is, did you guys notice that? And this is just on a financial level. Crypto was dumping, dumping, uh, lost almost half. It's all of a sudden come up because Russian oligarchs need to find value somewhere and keep, so they're buying. So this is full liquidation time. And because they don't ask questions in the crypto world, and this is where, you know, it's either a good thing or a bad thing. Um, they are literally Russian oligarchs are heading toward the crypto world. Um, if they hadn't already been there, but they're now they're buying it all up. They're liquidating getting all of their uh, value out of crypto or into crypto. So they are in many ways legitimizing it. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Crazy, isn't it? Well, it's harder to trace. There's no tracing. No tracing. Yeah. I mean, all the ransomware groups, they use crypto. Yep. So, so, so perhaps rather than owning Chelsea and uh, that Kensington mansion, Roman will now own like six John Terry NFTs. <laughs> which would be worth the same value. <laughs> that, isn't that how it all works? I don't know. It's very confusing to me. There's going to be uh, one of his friend's companies that owns all of that for him. Yeah. In a crypto space, right? So wow. that's, that's what's, yeah, it's a, it's a well, dirty, I mean, it's dirty It's funny, you, you, you hear the, you read the fallout from within Chelsea and within the fan base of Chelsea. And, and many of them, not everyone, you know, some of them are saying, you know, Good riddance to bad rubbish, given you know his connections and what's happening over there right now. But a lot of fans are saying, "Listen, this guy re reinvented our club, um, and he really did back in two thousand and three." Craig, I mean, prior to that, Chelsea was a big club. They were, but they weren't a successful club compared to the, the big players of, in English football. You were there, mm -hmm. Craig. I mean, you were there before the Roman era. You were there in the late nineties, right? So, so, I mean, mm -hmm. how how big a club was it then in English football? It was changing. I mean, Bates had taken it to a level where, you know, he's hired Ruud Hollitz and Viali and Zola and LeBouf. And, you know, so there's a whole run, Mark Hughes, that the team was pretty stacked. They they were willing to to move along, but he was also setting the club up into a position to sell. So um, he was in debt at the time as well. 
But when you think about Abramovich, if he wanted to, he's two billion. He's owned two billion by Chelsea Football Club. Yeah. So it's like, what are we what are we talking about here? I mean, okay, now he's gonna waive it apparently. But beforehand, he was gonna take all that money back and sit there and take all the adulation yeah. you know what i mean like it's, well, it's okay he to says do it now it, was, it wasn't about the money right he goes i only have this club because of my passion for the game and that football club but this is a a massively successful businessman he had a, an end game here you were thinking it wasn't this why didn't he pass on the debt a long time ago right could have right. said that a long time ago All well they the were almost I've- sold 2019, right? I think a, a very serious bid came in uh, and he turned it down. But you wonder, I mean, the fact that that went public, you know, there was things happening a few years ago at that club. And, and regardless of whether Putin invades Ukraine or not, you know, you, you do think that perhaps this club is going to be in the block at some point mm. in the near future. But, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating. But when, when he took over, they just finished in fourth place in 2003 and just qualified for the Champions League for just a second time. So that speaks volumes about just, you know, where they were. That's, that's not a small club. I'm not saying it is, mm-hmm. but it certainly wasn't what it became. 17 trophies. No clubs won more trophies since 2003 than Chelsea under Roman. And that's why the fans, you know, love this guy. And are so, you know, I don't know, overwhelmed, sad, concerned, certainly, about, you know, what's, what's the future like. But they have to mm-hmm. be a very appealing prospect to, to, you wonder about Saudi Arabia. <laughs> this happened six months ago. Would well, they have targeted right. this club, right? I just think, uh, I mean, in 2018, it all went sideways with the stadium. That went quiet because that was when the government were starting to talk about prove your wealth laws. And, you know, and his visa was up and he starts to talk to Israel about citizenship, about moving over there. And you know what I mean? So the stadium, when you look at all the top clubs, it's not... It it's needs to be rebuilt. They need a new one if you want to be what Chelsea really are as a football club. Yeah. So that's going to be really expensive. Yeah. Really expensive. It's a good point. It's a good point. Do you remember the first signing, Craig, under Roman when he first came aboard? When that no. first season, he, he Claudio Ranieri was a manager, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. That's right, because he was signed under Thaksin Shinawatra. Uh, was it Thaksin Shinawatra? Pretty sure that's who it was. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then Roman bought it from him. So the first sign was Glenn Johnson from West Ham. Really? And that, that summer, they spent £120 million on players like, remember Jeremy from Real Madrid? Damien Duff? Wayne Bridge? Juan Sebastian Veron? Joe Cole, another West Ham product? Adrian Mutu? Alexis oh, yeah. Schmerton, forgot all about that one. Hernan Crespo? Claude McAlealy came that first year as well. And Scott Parker. Wow. Like redefining a club, eh? Oh, yeah. Went and then right they signed it. Jose Mourinho. And everything changed. And then, and then they signed, yeah. And then, I mean, how many managers have they gone through? I mean, a ton. Jesus. There's almost more really? managers and players. Yeah. Like, so when you talk about what works and, you know, theories around success and clubs, everybody runs a little differently. You had Alex Ferguson at Man United for 20, uh, 25, 26 years. And then you got a club like Chelsea who decided to just fire managers quite regularly. And you got the Watford model who fire managers every month. Yep. Is it, yep. you know. Well, geez, I mean, big Phil Scolari. Remember he was there? He yeah. came aboard once in championships. He did really well. Avram Grant, of course. And you got Di Matteo was there for a, for a Champions League sniff. Amazing. Out of all the managers, Di Matteo was the one that won the first Champions League. Yeah, it oh. was. And then, well, he, got the, are, then sorry, he got Craig, the hoof. Craig, are you guys always talk about it? At least Jimmy and you always talk about is you always want to win. You always want to win a cup because, you know, success is based on victory. And but when you're creating a legacy for yourself, it sounds like trophies and league championships is all you can really put your say, hey, this is what I did. And someone was messing around on Twitter and threw out that Harry Kane, 20-some years old, 28 years old, hasn't won a thing yet. But, like, where if he keeps going in this career and you haven't won a thing, you haven't been 
I mean, you when you played for Ipswich, you went from, you know, into the Premier, played in the Premier League. So there was success when you're, mm-hmm. then you, you yourself, then you got picked up by West Ham. So another big success. But Harry Kane, and I don't know if that's fair or not, but where does that stand? Charms and Craig, how do you tell, I mean, this guy's, you captained the English team, right? This, like, during the Euro. Do you, do guys look back if he doesn't win a thing, and you have you have a lot of people in pro sports that are like this: Charles Barkley, Steve Nash, um, you know, amazing mm. athletes who've never Dan Marino, I think Dan Dan Marino, right? Mm. Do you look back and go, oh, he never was a never was a champ? Well, it's certainly when you're putting him on the you know the table of, of where the players stand we you absolutely do we do it all the time with ronaldo and messi mm. and all the other players everybody talks about oh international and have they won this have they won that and so yes but um a lot of players will play their whole careers not win a thing but craig is it different though for a player that spends his entire career in one club he shows loyalty, and that's why he hasn't won anything because he stayed. Mm. Say he stays at Spurs, right? It's been some of those players. You know, Dan Marino stayed with the Dolphins. I'm sure he could have moved if he wanted to at some point, right? Um, rather than the guy that is a bit of a mercenary, jumps around, and, and still doesn't win. Is there, is there a difference? Is there more respect for that guy that stays put? I think long term, if you're going to stay in the area, like a Matt Letizia uh, type of person. Yeah. Would be a good example of that. People in Southampton love him, adore him. But if you want to make lots of money and people don't like you, you know, like a an Isle Berkovich. Not that he personally wasn't a nice guy, but he was a mercenary, and he was just want to move and move and move and move, make as much money as he possibly could. So different types of people. Declan Rice, by all accounts, what I've heard out of West Ham is that he's never. Never even brought up in discussion with the manager, or the board, or anybody about leaving or wanting to leave. Never mentioned it. Yeah. Well, Sharp, yeah. what's your story on that? Because you write, you have to come up with narratives. Where would you stand? I mean, Craig's Craig's judging it from someone who actually played, but you're in the media. You have to look at this stuff on a pure object, like subjective level, where you're like, "Hey, I I know he's this." But I want to be fair to him too. Yeah. If if you were going to line mm. him up, knowing that he is basically one of the best English, like he's the best English player right now. He's up there. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say top five, but they chose him as captain. Mm-hmm. So there's other guys who are performing, mm-hmm. but he's got, he, I mean, what, two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, him and son were amazing, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. But the, but he, uh, but he wanted to leave last summer to go yeah. to Man City. And had he made that move, had Spurs mm-hmm. said, yeah, he would have won a championship more than likely this year. Maybe not. He's a quadruple, by the way, on the cards from Liverpool. Um, but <laughs> but he, he obviously has that hunger to move and win championships at his age. So if he doesn't move, if he ends up winning nothing, I, I would it, it wouldn't tarnish his his legacy as far as I'm concerned. He's still Harry Kane, one of the great goal scorers English mm-hmm. football has ever seen. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. his fault. I mean, Christ, he's good enough to win a championship, these guys. A lot of these guys are good enough to win championships. Matt Letizia was good enough to win a championship. He made the choice not to move. And I don't think you can blame him for that. No. I think, you know, I th- I think these days, Matt would have, uh, the money would have been too much yeah. to say no. Well, you look I at mean, these it- names that they moved to Chelsea right around that time. I mentioned that first window, right? Well, when Jose came aboard, these guys came because of, well, money. Simple as that, right? Because <laughs> at this point, Chelsea hadn't won much or anything. At this point, Jose Mourinho was a successful manager with Porto. His name, his stature was growing, but he wasn't quite the special one. Or was it that first press conference? He may have said that the first press conference. Maybe by this point, he was the special one. But, but Peter Cech arrived that first year. Um, Arjen Robben. Didier Drogba, right? Ricardo Cavallo, all world-class players who chased the money and, and because of it, got the money and trophies because of it, right? So I, I can't, I don't hold them to fault either. I, I get it, 100%. So 
It's one thing saying we'll, we'll increase your pay packet by a few grand. It's, it's a different thing to say we'll, we'll quadruple it. And some of these guys had their pay packets quadrupled. And we're still seeing it now with, with Newcastle, for example, with Man City, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but and you never Robin, hear a guy like De Gea uh, complain about wanting to move or anything like that because he's making 250,000 pounds a week. He wants to win. He's a funny one, eh, Craig? Don't, don't you think how bad he was the last couple of years? Then they finally signed someone to provide competition, and, and it, that's the fire he needs. And now he's once again one of the handful of best goalkeepers in England for sure, maybe in, in Europe. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Just that little bit of a push. Okay, now I'll start focusing a bit more, take my, my, my job a little bit more seriously. It, it worked for Kepa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Kappa. But Poor uh, Kappa. You know, I mean, the Roman. Man, how much is he on, by the way? Most expensive goalkeeper ever. He, I mean, can you only imagine? Yeah. 150, 200,000 pounds a week? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, whatever. Just sky one over. Yeah. Sit on the bench quite That wasn't even that. close. That was like a field goal for our, like a 52 yard field goal. He was, it was two, three feet over the bar for sure. And oh, then it yeah. just. And it's still going. It's still going. Oh, yeah. they, they, they <laughs> it hit one of Elon Musk Starlink satellites. Yeah, uh, there's some great banter on social media. I mean, it's just just great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, back to Roman, though. But he really opened the door, didn't he, for those super owners to kind of come to English football and take mm-hmm. over. And the game hasn't been the same since, that's for sure. Um, staying in this whole Ukraine-Russia situation, it is beginning to hit the field now as well. Uh, Vitaly... Mikolenko and Andrei Yamalenko have been hammering Russian players on, on their social feeds, um, expletive-ridden posts targeting the players for their silence and for not speaking out, including they were targeting Russian captain Artem Zuba, um, who then had to respond. And I get why he had to respond, but he was criticizing those Ukrainian players for sitting on their asses in, in their English mansions and spouting off rather than fighting for their countrymen. So it's getting nasty. It's unnecessary, but... Listen, I can't imagine what it's like to be, you know, a Yamalenko or a Mikolenko or a, a Zinchenko. It's, it's horrendous. But I also don't know what what Russian players are really supposed to do either, Craig, in this situation. I mean, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, right? They've got a family in Russia. You don't want to be too outspoken because God knows what happens there. I mean, do you, do you have sympathy for those players? Not as Russians, but as those footballers in their situation. Yeah, I have sympathy for both sides because if it was the other way around, I if if I was if it was us being attacked as Canadians, I would be absolutely all over it as well. And for the silence. But then on the other hand, you put yourself on the other side of it. What is the family saying back home? Uh what are the potential dangers? Is it prison sentence? Is it torture? Is it, you know, all the above? Um, it's a really, really difficult one. And I, I find I don't know what really to say about that and those players other than the ones that do speak up, good for them. But the ones that don't, I think it's uh, it's hard to uh, come down on them. We saw Ovechkin, right, this past week been asked questions and, and he just says, you know, I want peace. But essentially, please stop asking these questions. You know, it's... It's so difficult. This is an athlete who probably doesn't understand the situation enough anyway to comment on it. I mean, not many people do, to be honest with you. But when no. you know, I know he's a big face, a big name, and uh, he wears that Russian flag with complete pride when he's mm-hmm. playing hockey. But is it fair to ask him questions about the, the political situation when he has family himself there? Um, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I think that he's... Uh, had closer ties uh, to Putin than most Russian players have ever had. So it may be worth a question uh, for sure how he answers it. That's up to him. But I would definitely yeah. think that the question should be asked yeah. where he no, that's, stands. That's, that's a valid point, yeah. yeah. Right? You can ask question, that's, that's valid for sure. And what if, yeah. he says, what if he came out and says straight up, I'm absolutely 100% in behind Putin? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> NHL, deal with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, FIFA and UEFA, they, they finally acted right, kicking Russia out of all sporting competitions, the IOC as well. It seemed a little bit reactionary given that on was it Sunday, 
they were saying, oh, we, you know, that Russia will play their games behind closed doors and there'll be no anthem. <laughs> they won't be let to call themselves Russia, like a complete joke. And, and then they yeah, changed. Yeah, I, I think there was, a, there was a little bit... Uh, uh, it was a little bit harsh. It was certainly a process, but they also had a humanitarian issue going on. There was still people inside Kiev that they needed to get out. They didn't need to piss off Russia right. any anymore. And these are things I don't think we understand what's going on. Most of the people have been got out. There's a lot of Shakhtar players, Dinamo Kiev players, families of those players. So there's a lot of things going on behind that. So, uh, it was a process at the talk, IOC, all the countries, all the, everybody involved. Yeah, so I think all in all, uh, I think that they uh, they were lined up to do it. They just needed to make sure that everybody was safe. I'm sorry, I'm laughing only because I'm I'm sitting there thinking, you know, you got to be pretty bad to make FIFA look good. That's number one. And do you have to give with FIFA's track record? of just shittiness, you know, like bribes and Qatar and like migrant workers and not caring. Hmm. Is there, do you even give them credit or do you just go, that's, that's what's expected. You know what I mean? Like, is there, is there a credit here to be given or is it just, well, yeah, do that. Like everybody else is doing hmm. that. You did the right thing. Yeah. Uh, no, I think there's some credit to be uh, be given out to for sure. Okay. There's a big move uh, for sure. I think the, the tricky part is the uh, the history that Gianni Infantino has with Vlad Putin, right? They they seem pretty tight over the years. You've seen the pictures, and then you know he's obviously regardless ago. regardless he's in, he's in a tough position, right? Regardless, right or mm-hmm. wrong, he's in, he's in a tough position. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, so I think optically it looks it looked bad, but I get it. I mean, also, I mean, you have to bear in mind that that within FIFA, there's going to be debate as well. Yeah, they're not all evil. They're not all great, right? There's going to be debate, and yeah. that's how mm-hmm. huge organizations work. It's not just like one autocrat saying we're doing this. Mm. And remember, it's nothing like it used to be. Nothing. Yeah. It's not even close. Yeah. Slept batter and all those cronies. And can you imagine this happening now with Sep in charge? Uh, it would yeah. be ugly, wouldn't it? It'd be messy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think they've 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 made some major moves uh, to be better. They knew they had to be better. I mean, from everywhere, from Concacaf to Asia to producing players, the footballing side of it. I think Victor Montaliani actually has probably done more for the footballing side of things, really, to be able to create an opportunity for every island team that used to play 20 games every century. And now they can play 25 games a year, potentially. So I think from the footballing side of things, we've got some people in there that actually have made some decent moves. Even some of the rule changes are good. So I think they're proactive in that department. And let's see if in the future who gets the world cups in the future and whatever, but um you know, the, we know Russia had it four years ago. Qatar's got it this time. They still stuck with those two countries for whatever reasons. You know, I had logistical things, legal. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. But Well, I'm bashing everybody at FIFA except for Victor, just so everyone knows. <laughs> but but uh, going back to Ovechkin, Sharms, Craig and I were talking about it. And, you know, the, everyone's saying, hey, asking him questions like you'd said. But there's also, like Craig had said, Craig and I said, oh, well, they're good buddies, they're family friends, all that. But wouldn't you, if if Putin is your friend, you have to be Putin's friend. You don't really <laughs> have a say if right. the crazy person with the bombs who can destroy your family, you're going in there with a smile and a handshake and yeah. a fake hug and maybe even a, a little squeeze on the ass. Well, hey, we're just talking, uh, we opened the show with serial killers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Are you saying there's blood on Putin's hand? Hands? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus I don't think I do. I need to answer that. <laughs> yeah, well, precisely. Yeah. And the thing is, with Ovechkin, I mean, he's, I forget the, the relationship. His, his wife is, his wife's family is very high up in, in Russian political circles, right? So I'm not, and he's, he's again, maybe he just fell in love with a beautiful girl and she happened to be this. Anyway, I just don't think he's equipped as, as a professional athlete to really give adequate answers. You know, and for us to expect any more than that, I think is a bit unfair. 
to be honest uh, with you, right? It's a guy yeah. that left school at 14 probably to play hockey. I'm not They're sure, not all right? smart. Athletes aren't all as smart as Craig. <laughs> yeah, I left school at 15. <laughs> See, the extra year made a big difference. Now there you're you equipped. Go. There you go. <laughs> no, but you know what, too? He could be a supporter of Putin before. Like, everybody knew it. Nobody ever asked him questions about it. But you don't always have to agree with the person that you support. Yeah. Right? You're right. I, I'm sure your uh, wife has probably made decisions that you didn't like. Oh, no. Don't, everything, put, everything don't she... put so much spice in the pie. <laughs> ah! No, everything everything she does, I completely 100% agree with because I'm terrified of her. <laughs> so there you go. There's the example. I know exactly. I've got nothing but um, empathy for, for old Ovechkin. Um, did you see Everton got an apology from Mike Riley for that non-handball call? They actually got a written apology. Was it a phone call? I think it's a phone call. It's a letter. No, they write a letter to um, to Bill Kenwright and to Frank Lampard, apologizing, saying that basically, yeah, we, we got it wrong. Sorry. Yeah, and uh, you know, Charms, you and I on the dark web don't usually text to each other, just one and one. But I knew how upset you were because that's two points. Really, you guys are one and one, eh? Yeah, oh, every yeah. once in a while. We have some deep conversations. Oh, yeah, but usually, so the last time was Erickson, but Erickson played again. That's another story. But you and I were back and forth, and I was like, how? I, I even asked NFL, Craig, you know, they have, uh, they go back to the central repository of highlights, and they make the decision from a central location, supposedly no, you know, uh Hey, here's some guy with all the camera angles. And Charms was telling me there's an assistant VAR guy. Is this how it works? Like in the stadium with the cameras? Or is he at the DAZN shop? Or where is this guy looking at things? Because first of all, Gooderson all said, hey, obviously, I mean, this was a handball. Everyone lost their shit. And Everyone, even the player, who was it, who was it that uh, it hit his arm? He stuck his arm out? Rodri. Yeah. I mean, it was obviously a handball. And they looked at it and went the other way with it. No, no problem. We did our job. Keep playing. And There's I don't one know. Today too, by the way. There's one, one today, too. There's one today. There's one today. Norwich, no FA Cup game, Norwich, Liverpool um, against. It, it would have gone in Liverpool's favor. Again, a blatant handball. Blatant. Blatant. It was very similar to that one, and, and it wasn't given. It's been a but bad this, week for this can have, But going to, as a Liverpool fan, and just being a fan in general, this can act directly to the, the standings. Oh, yeah. Well, get, say it's one point. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's what I said. City well, yeah. by one point. <laughs> what about Everton? What if they go down by a point? Yeah. That's even, even bigger, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. You know, Every spot higher in the league, you're getting several million pounds. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. they're not that bothered about that. It's like a little bonus chump change at that stage, but yeah. <laughs> it's, but it's, isn't it broken? Now tell me, isn't that broken? They, they go to that and come out with that answer. Yeah. That's a broken model. What it comes down to is still human. Well, it, comes error, down, right? it comes down to the person making the decisions, it's not the system. Well, I would argue that who's, with, it, who's he? Yeah, so who is it? Stevie Wonder sitting in there uh, doing bar? <laughs> <laughs> I think we need a new blind celebrity to go the, the go-to blind reference because I mean I, I do Stevie Wonder as well. Everyone does Stevie Wonder. It was the right? Canadian from uh, Roadhouse again. Oh, Jeff Healy. Jeff Healy. No, no, he's Jeff died, Healy. He, he died. So he died a tragic, few years so. ago. So yeah, you, you mean they have to be alive blind guys? I think so. Uh, I, think I don't know so. a lot of blind celebrities. Well, because it couldn't be Jeff Healy because he's dead, but it could potentially have been Stevie Wonder. Right. And he's alive. Be a surprise if he was. But... He would have got a right. <laughs> He'd have gave a penalty <laughs> in Braille. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it makes no sense. I mean, you're right, Wong. It comes down to these, <laughs> these, um, these technologies put in place to try and take out human error, but it's still humans looking at the technology, right? Yeah. And there's still human error involved. But And this is where I, I look there and I go, okay, if they would have just, if this technology is so strong, couldn't they 
basically mirror this and put it in a box like they do with baseball with the strike zone and say, hey, here's the guy's arms. It's within his shoulder blades. If you're outside of that and it lands on your bicep like it did on this guy. I don't think it's that freaking difficult. They just had an absolute loser doing it and everybody else saw it and it was below the, the sleeve and it should be a handball and they missed it. But there's only one guy. Like there are two guys. You know what I mean? Like it's or the referee. Did the referee come over and have a look at it? I can't remember. He did. I, I don't think he did. No, did he, he just he said he said play on. Wasn't it a play on? Yeah. And then, uh, or at least they were about to start the game, but they made the call really. Qu- I mean, I was watching the whole thing, and they made the call really quickly, and oh, that's absolutely. when Charms and I were going back and forth. Oh, yeah. so the referee wasn't involved actually at all. Other than the very fact little, that he, very little, he didn't give it. But the fact yeah. they're always in a good position too. If you see and go, well, it looks like a handball, but I'm, I won't give it because VAR will pick up. Yeah, yeah. the ref right. was the ref was ordering a curry or a meat pie in line at the <laughs> at the stadium. Like he was out to lunch. It, it, I think it's maybe it's, it's maybe the, the handball rule is wrong as well. But I don't even know what the rule is anymore, and, and that's the go to. Reaction from most people. I don't know what the rule. I, I actually don't know what the rule is anymore. It's changed so much. I don't know. But to me, that was a freaking handball. But mm. you know, they they say these things over the course of a season, every team will benefit at yeah. some point from a bad. Well, point. they agree with you because they said sorry. Yeah, they apologized. But if you're if you're <laughs> Frank Lampard, how do you react to that apology? No way. Well. I wouldn't. Same I wouldn't accept it. I wouldn't accept he, it. He'd give the wanker side. <laughs> <laughs> Same way Craig gave up switch. You're not going to accept it. <laughs> hey, if there's one person in this world that you could give an apology note to, who would it be? Wonger? Ooh. Um, you mean somebody that you, you've, you've like done bad to? Yeah. yeah. I guess so, yeah. You know what? I, I would probably apologize to a buddy because I kissed his girl once. Exactly. Yeah, but you and Craig got over it. Yeah, we did. He, bought, he gave me this Puma shirt. <laughs> No, you exactly. I said, wait a minute, but you kissed his girlfriend and <laughs> go ahead, live with her. <laughs> Jimmy Brennan and J- uh, Craig Forrest are giving us the best ex-wife details ever. <laughs> what about you, Craig? Who would you send a letter to? Who do you apologize to? Anyone? Hmm. It's a tough one, I, isn't it? I have to think about that. I mean, as a serial killer, there'd be a few, I imagine. Well, no. Well, to the families, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should think about this, because I'm trying to think who I'd send one to. I don't think there is anyone, because I'm a stand-up great guy. I just don't think I've ever offended anyone. That uh, that pie chef that you harassed and... <laughs> no. Anyone that I've let my pie shop deserves no apology. <laughs> they owe me an apology. <laughs> For trying to make pies. Yeah, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> You're not a living here for crying out loud. Why are you doing this to me? Well, you know, Paco's going to go from a uh, soccer intern on Footy Prime to the pie-making champion of the East, <laughs> East End. Yes. <laughs> Paco, you're hired. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Should we get to uh, some footy picks here? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. It's footy picks. No, I'm not going to sing it. It's uh, footy picks. Come on, <laughs> sing it. Come on, give us some. It's footy picks on, on footy, footy prime. prime. <laughs> <laughs> you did a job. We love you, Diesel. So. Great no? game, Charms. There are a couple of, yeah, some really good games. All right, so uh, mm. it's, the, it's the Forest Shaman Derby. Yep. Liverpool, West Ham. West Ham lost in the cup today to Southampton. Craig, but I, I'm sure they have loved a, a good cup run, but at the same time, they can really focus now on, on their league position. Is, at, is it at Anfield, this one? Uh, yes. It is at Anfield? Yep. Now, the over-under in this one is three, and nil-nil is playing plus 1,900, Craig. There's no chance it's a nil-nil, and that's hence the, hence the, the numbers there, right? <laughs> at those odds... Worth a fiver? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think we're going to throw a fiver on our sports interaction. <laughs> How many times have we said, oh, yeah, I think they expect lots of goals? And 
Yeah. Uh, well, look at that champion. Look at look at the uh, League Cup final. How could that possibly? That could never possibly be nil nil again if you played that game yeah. like that. Mm. Hey, Sharms, you never told us how'd you feel. I know we're talking footy picks, but how'd you feel when Southampton beat Liverpool? Do you care? Hey, when? Oh, sorry. Like we were talking. Who who who'd Southampton beat? Oh, West Ham. Oh, West Ham. I'm sorry. I don't care about that. I'm giving <laughs> you. Okay. Well, this Craig, do you care? Yeah. 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 But I would really like them to finish in the top four. I think that would be really, really something. But it's a long way. You know, when you look at Arsenal, Arsenal got games in hand. And yeah. This is a game you don't expect West Ham to get a result at. But at the same time. Take your heart out of it. Take your heart out of it. They've got to try to, they've got to, try to win it. So it's not like they go there to get a draw. They really need to try win games no matter what. So, so maybe, maybe reconsider that five bucks in the nil nil then. So I think it'll be three nil Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> Sharp, yeah, you I, go, I, I you go. Into, I mean, Liverpool just rolling and then they rested. I think there were 10 changes or something like 10 changes for today's FA Cup winning against Norwich. Um, yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a, a Liverpool win. And over, I'm going to go for the over in this one as, as well. So you're going to say like 3-1? Yeah, 3-1 sounds about right. All right. I and like then Sunday's, Sunday's big match, City and United. Hmm. City, okay, so they, they, they won in the FA Cup this week, but they weren't great again. They haven't been great for a couple of weeks, Craig. Are they, are they slumping? Is that are what this they, is? Is this an opportunity for United? Is that City? I know it is. It's a short drive. You know, it's just shit. Yeah, like, there, just, well, it's you not can't, good. I wouldn't even want, like, honestly, for betting purposes, I would stay away from them. Yeah, because they're they're just you just don't know. They could win that game by two. They could lose it by two. Ronaldo, no goals in ten now, isn't it? I think. No, ten or eleven. Yeah. Who's talking about? Ronaldo. Really? Ronaldo, Portuguese guy. <laughs> it's not that many, is it? But it was 10, wasn't it? I mm-hmm. could be wrong. Could, could be six. Hang on. You, Let me just have uh, a look here. You may, be, you may be right. I thought he broke it. Our Mr. No. Data is uh, on a summer holiday right now. Can't fix us. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy said he... Uh, well, I said you must be dusting off the shorts. Going oh, down. sorry. It's his longest drought in, in 10 years. It wasn't 10 games. Longest drought in 10 years, and it's uh, I think it's seven games now, is it? Yeah. No, he's broke it. Okay. It, it, it's a drought anyway. It's a drought. So just deal with that. It's fine. You were going to say, tell the Jimmy story because he's not here. Yeah, yeah. He said, dust stuff off those shorts, go down to Dominican. And he said, you did. And she said, a little snug. Made me feel good that Jimmy Brennan said he was fat. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> I we love seeing he's fat. He's great. I love it. I must yeah. feel good about myself. Really feel good about that. Yeah. Crazy. Go to hell. I said to put on an extra small boys like Speedo and just let all the fat just come in the side. You're just like, like a, oh. Sit, like in a bag sit of milk. by the bar pool all English, day. Englishman in, in Spain. Pool. Englishman in Portobello's. No good. City versus United. City. Three nil. Nice. Ooh. I'll say two one city. Wow. Nice. It's forty picks. It's forty forty picks. It's forty forty picks. On On footy. Prime. Hey, that's not bad, Craig. Yeah, it's not bad. Heard worse. Um, Anything else you want to get to? Worse supposed to be bad. Promo, if you haven't listened to the interview with Andrew Raycroft, great insight. Uh, Craig and him doing the battle of the goalie wits. That was rather spectacular. It was really interesting, yeah. Really good. Great guy. Um, And anybody else, if you haven't listened to our interview uh, section of our episodes, you really should. They're great. They're they last, and uh, they're really good listening. 
if we say so ourselves. Yeah, and Puma, mm-hmm. thanks for sending us over some tops and some yeah. pants. Yeah. We want more. Yeah, I need to get mine at some point. We should Frank's- have a little night out sometime, fellas, don't you think? It's I'm been too I- long. I think we need that. I was hoping for uh, the 13 degree Sunday next week on Wednesday. We can get Paco over and give him some under. I think he's old enough to drink. So are you Paco? Some- are you old yeah, enough? Yeah, yeah, I'm 19. All right, on good. Not that that matters. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't condone underage drinking on this podcast. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, I'm sure right now. Jimmy and, and Brendan enjoying that vacation together on a beach, listening to our podcast, sharing the, the buds, the earbuds. It's quite the image. Both. Uh, Brendan, Brendan really loves it because I heard his hotel room has 73 mirrors. <laughs> Including on the ceiling. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. Five different All right. Uh, well, subscribe, like, listen again. Listen, just play it over and over again. Just like keep playing it when you go to bed at night. You know, just it all helps us. That's it. One of these days, it does. get some sponsorships. All right, cheers, everyone. We'll chat soon. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.